You are listening to New City Servant Podcast. We hope you're empowered and challenged as we root deep into God's Word in order that we might grow in the good news of King Jesus and live as faithful citizens of His kingdom right here in our city. Let's get into the scriptures now. All right, so we're finishing up our series called Normal Christian, Common Practices, Uncommon People. And so far over the past few weeks, we've been looking at a few common practices. We've been looking at scripture engagement, so being in the Word. We've been looking at prayer. Um, And then last week, John was preaching on worship, okay? Um, And this week, we're kind of touching on a difficult subject uh, because... um, Out of all these common practices, this seems to be the most uncommon. And we're talking about sharing our faith. The the title is, uh, or the sermon is titled, um, Sharing the Substance of Our Faith. And out of all of the things that seem common to us as Christians, this seems to be the most common, uncommon. Um, And I'm no different. This is difficult for me. This is difficult for me to talk about. And I would guess that it's difficult for some of us as well. There's only a few people that I've known that have really been able to pull this off in terms of sharing their faith comfortably, for it to be a a common practice for them, but not for me. That's, it's not my thing. And for many of us, if we're honest, it can be somewhat terrifying. Am I right? Sharing your faith publicly can be a terrifying thing, and for good reason. When else is your faith uh, most exposed and, and most under, or under the most scrutiny than when you're sharing it with others, right? When are you going to be thrown a question that you're not sure whether you have the answer to when you're sharing your faith? When else can you, can you feel the sting of rejection and people just saying that the the harshest things to you, and not because of anything you've done, but because of what you believe. It can be a a terrifying thing to share one's faith. I think back to the spring this year. Uh, As some of you know, I teach at the college. I I teach religion. And I think this particular lecture, I I was talking about the nature of belief and whether it coincides with reason. A rational thought. And, and there's this student, uh, we'll, we'll call him Chris, and he's pretty outspoken. He's an athlete, big guy. And he shared earlier on in the semester that he had grown up um, with this, it, he had dealt with corruption from the church in his home in Haiti. And so, and so he's kind of facing this, this skepticism. And so as I'm teaching, uh, he kind of just sits in, in in the back, he's to the right side, and so he's just kind of standing off and tends to blurt things out in class. And, and he'll, he asked this question, this he, he asked, so why do you believe? And he was directing that question to me. Why do, why do I believe? That's a good question. And I could feel every eye on me in that moment. If students were drifting off or they were looking at their phones, no, they were looking at me at that moment. And my, my palms started to get sweaty, and I, I kind of cleared my throat, but it's like one of those big gulps, you know? 
And I think, what, I, what, what would I say in that moment? Now, I never woke up preparing for this class thinking, I'm going to share my faith today. But in that day, I was put on the hot seat. And, and I tell them as I introduce the course that I'm a Christian and, and I believe this, but for it to be thrown your way, it can be a terrifying thing for many of us. But what you can also find when sharing your faith is that it could be the most thrilling thing in all the world. I've heard countless stories where people describe these moments as if the Bible comes alive for them. And it feels like they, like everything about the Bible becomes true because they open their mouths to share their faith about what they believe in, about Jesus. It's also when we can feel that God is most present because we can know in that moment that he, was, he is with us and that he is at work in this conversation. So sharing our faith can be both a terrifying thing, but also a thrilly, thrilling thing. And we want to kind of push into the tension of both this morning. So if you have a Bible, um, go with me to 1 Peter. And again, the, the topic is sharing our faith. But instead of strategy, I, I want to talk more about substance. I'm not going to tell you how to do this. I'm going to look at the substance of what we share. Just a little context before we get there. Um, Peter is writing to believers that are exiles in a land where they are outnumbered by people that don't think like they do, they don't believe what they believe, and they don't behave the way that they behave. And these Christians are starting to feel the pressure of their hostility. And so as I read this, I want to kind of point to you what I hope we see this morning is that Jesus is actually the what and the why of how we share our faith. And being in relationship with him actually gives us and he provides us the how. And so let me read for us. This is taken from 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to read from verses 4 to 12. It says, As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone and a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word, the very thing they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that they, when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. That is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us real quick as we dive in. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would speak through this word. 
Again, this is a difficult topic even for me. But my authority is not in my performance, but it is in your word. And so as I preach, Lord, would you empty me out this morning and would you speak boldly to your people? Spirit, would you come and just move on our hearts as we sung this morning that we would shout hallelujah. And so we thank you. We ask you to be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so it's Peter's writing um, that, that Jesus is this living stone who is rejected by men in the sight, uh, but in the sight of God, he's chosen and precious. And, and this is the substance of what we share. We are sharing Jesus. But as we share Jesus, I want to make two points to this, is that he's both um, rejected by men, but he is precious and chosen by God. And as we think about this, the message that we share, we have to keep these two things in mind, and this is a tension that we wrestle with. Remember that Jesus was crucified because men rejected him. Why? Because they were offended by him. Think about this. Nobody would crucify a Mr. Rogers, right? Nobody would crucify anybody for, for being Mr. Rogers, but, but Jesus wasn't a Mr. Rogers, he, he was kind and he was compassionate, but he also said some harsh things. He was in every way a revolutionary. He was calling men uh, away from themselves and to himself. He, he said that he would die for the sins of the world. He also said that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. That's offensive, y'all. He claimed things that we've never heard people claim about themselves. And that's the thing that makes Jesus utterly unique, is that Jesus said certain things about himself, but then he backed it up. Remember, he is chosen and precious by God the Father. He is the beloved son in whom we have a relationship with. Why? Because he defeated the grave Yes, men rejected him and put him on the cross, but he defeated the grave by raising up three days later, and he defeated sin and death. And if we think about this, God could have brought salvation any other way. Jesus even said it in a moment of weakness, the night that he was betrayed, Father, if there's any other way, but this was the way that God had chosen, and it's the most glorious way. Placing weakness over strength, placing humility over pride, placing self-sacrificial love over self-love. And because, because Jesus was humiliated, he is exalted as the cornerstone of the church, and he's the reason why we gather to worship. It's what John preached about last Sunday. But even still, this resurrected Savior was for many people then and is for many people now, he's a stumbling block. Because Jesus and his gospel, they're offensive. And I've heard plenty of arguments against Christianity, especially in the classroom. It's too exclusive, people are too hypocritical. In recent years, I've heard that it's too white. And there's plenty we could say here where the church has failed and where the church needs to grow. I'll talk about this some in a little bit, but, but even still, every person will have to wrestle with this claim for themselves, 
that if Jesus is Lord of everything and everyone, then that means that we have to submit to His authority. But many people just will not. They can't see how a Jesus who is crucified in weakness and commands us to deny ourselves could be the top spot in their lives. And because of that, many people refuse to trust in Jesus and they refuse to obey him as Lord. Peter also refers to the believers as living stones. So Jesus is a living stone, but we also, in the next verse, we are living stones. So if Jesus was rejected by men, then so will be. We will be too. We shouldn't think that we're exempt just because we're children of God. If Jesus was, was rejected, then we would be too. Jesus even told his followers that many people will reject you on account of me. So think about that. When people reject you, it's not you. It's him. <laughs> but it may be you. <laughs> but more likely it's him. It will happen. But although we may be rejected by some, we're still chosen and precious in the sight of God. Why? Because of what Jesus has done for us. So we are to share Jesus. He is the substance of our message. We're not sharing traditions or rules or how to dress or what to speak. We are sharing Jesus. The moment you start to add on to this thing, the moment you start to mess it up, if you think about it, Christianity at its heart, it's not a, a rule book, it's not a code, it's, it's a person, and it's a message of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. So this takes us to the purpose of our sharing, or the why. In verse 9, Peter says, but you here in this room, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we are chosen, royal, and holy, a people for his possession. We, we who have taken up his invitation to, to follow him, we've submitted to him as Lord, which means that we're not ours anymore. We don't get to do anything that we want to do and desire to do. We're his. We're his possession. We're not living for ourselves anymore, but, and this is who we are. We're different. Another translation says that we're actually a peculiar people. You're strange. I'm strange. And we're supposed to be. We're called to be. Now, before you start the question, let me just ask the question for you. Why? Why are we strange? Why did God make us this? Why? So that we can proclaim his praises. Our faith was never meant for us alone. God wants to do something with it. Think about this. God never saved you to be an island to yourself, okay? And yet we have so many Americans, I want to make that clear, Americans that claim to be Christian but don't go to church. And that's not at all what the Bible teaches, okay? Jesus didn't save you for yourself. 
He has saved you and called you into community so that you can be a part of God's blended family. See what I did there? So that everyone's story and culture and talents can come together and we can see that we are all a part of God's bigger story. It's the same thing with our faith. Your faith was never meant for you alone. It was meant to be shared. But you may ask, but, but I don't know how to share my, my faith. What do I say? Remember that the substance of our faith is Jesus. It's about Jesus who offers us uh, life, eternal life, and his invitation in, into this life of what he's done for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. We are to proclaim his praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Think about who you were before Jesus. We've all wrestled with these questions. Am I loved? Will I be accepted? Will I matter? And for many of us, we've tried pursuing these questions apart from Jesus, and it has led us down some pretty dark paths. Peter, elsewhere, he refers to this as the empty way of life. I'm going to put some people on blast, but uh, Chevelle got a chance to know her over the past couple months, and I'm so encouraged by listening to her story. Um, she said it was okay for me to share. So um, Chevelle, you know, if you didn't know, she grew up um, in a household where her parents were addicted in heavy addiction, and it wasn't long before she, she followed in their path. And she was in this darkness for 27 years. And knew what God was calling her, but she never really reached towards that substance. She knew it, but it was a distant truth. She would, be, she would end up being in prison seven times. And the whole time she knew God existed, but it wasn't until her last stint in 2012 that God really grabbed a hold of her heart. And she believed God. <laughs> Praise God. She finally saw God for who he was, and she realized during that time that Jesus died for people like her. She got out. She would get connected to New City Fellowship, and she was also in a recovery group. Her faith grew because she understood very clearly for the first time what the gospel was, and now she works as our church life coordinator. Praise God. Praise God. And, and she even, if you didn't know, she even started on Thursday night a group for women in recovery where she can share Jesus with them. See, this is what Jesus does. He answers those deepest longings of our heart with a resounding yes. Yes, you are loved. Yes, I accept you. But it wasn't just for hers to keep in. She had to share with others. But then you may say, but I grew up in church, and I don't have a story like that. That's, that's an awesome story, but I don't have a story. Here's the thing. Everyone's story is awesome. There's not degrees to this thing. It's not in any way lesser because you grew up in church. It's not as though somebody were, were taking a record of your story and like, that's not good enough. Or to something like, just write it off. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. The, the beauty of your story is that it's yours. Nobody can take that away from you. And yet God can use that in powerful ways. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. 
But think for a moment where you'd be without Jesus. Think about your struggles and temptations and those times where you wanted to give in, but through God's grace you didn't. Or maybe you did, and you've experienced the forgiveness of Jesus. Whether you grew up in church or went down this dark road and had this crazy conversion experience, we all found forgiveness through Jesus. Jesus still brought us through some stuff, right? And it's part of your story. And your stories matter to God, and they matter so much that he wants you to share them. So what has Jesus done in your life? Really reflect on that. We'll never know all the wonderful things that God has done for us and worked behind the curtains, maybe not until we see him face to face. But if you chart the course of your life, you'll see that God was working at every turn, at every high and every low. God was there. So where was God at work? You'll find that he shows up on every page. The key motivation then to sharing Jesus to those that need him is to remember what it was to be lost. You want to know how to share your faith? Remember what it was like not to have faith. Remember, according to Peter, we were all once in darkness. We were in that once category. At one point, we were all in darkness. Even if you grew up in church, the one thing that we all share in this room is that at one point we were all unbelievers, whether you know it or not, whether you can remember a conversion experience or not, we were all at one point non-believing. We were all unbelievers lost in darkness and we were destined for destruction and Jesus saved us. And here's the thing, you never stop needing Jesus. For those lost in darkness and those that are redeemed, for those that are caught in the grips of sin and those that have experienced freedom, we all need Jesus every day. There's not levels to this thing. And this mindset, it keeps us from thinking that we have it all together. And we can approach everyone's situation as we share with humility and compassion because we know what it's like. Jesus called you because he loves you. And he wants you to share with them because he loves them. And this leads me to one important thing to mention when sharing Jesus. And I want to make this clear. The hero of our stories is always Jesus. It's never us. We are not the heroes of our stories. Our stories may be ours, but they praise him. Your faith is not about what you've done, the changes you've made, or even the fact that you go to church. Once you are not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We didn't make us a part of God's people. God did, right? And we didn't earn his mercy. He gave it to us. It wasn't because God saw something awesome in you or because you had a special skill set that he thought he could use. None of that. God didn't use you or didn't call you because he needed us. He did it because he loved us. We cheapen his praises. We cheapen the praises of God when we make our stories about us instead of about him. 
And this is wholly biblical. God designed and purposed the world so that the knowledge of God would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. But clearly, we don't see that reflected in our society, in our culture, in the media. In many ways, this secular society is godless. So we are to share our own stories so that the knowledge of God would saturate the earth. This is why we share. John Piper, uh, a pastor, uh, some years ago wrote a book, and I'll never forget this line. He, he's, when, he, when he was talking about foreign missions, these are Christians that share their faith in other countries, he says this, missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship, not missions, is the ultimate goal of the church. Because there will one day be a day when Jesus returns that missions is no more, but worship will last forever. It's because the world is not worshiping Jesus that we have missions, and it's because of that that we go and share. And Peter uses this word, proclaim the praises. That word proclaim there is the same word that we get uh, evangel or good news or gospel. So as we're proclaiming his praises, we are sharing the gospel. So we looked at what to share. We talked about why we share. But how we share is just as important as the why and the what. In the early days of the church, um, the empire, the Roman Empire, um, they were making false allegations against the believers. And it's no tr- it's no different today. We have allegations that are coming against us as Christians. The, the problem that exists now that was different then is that many of these allegations are true. There's scandal, there's abuse, there's hypocrisy. I can't count how many people I've come across that have been burned by the church in some way. One of the most heartbreaking things I've, I've come across and I've read just recently is from a student of mine who revealed in her final paper that she had been a daughter of a pastor in a megachurch in South Florida. And this pastor had an affair. And scandal tore through the church. A horrible split happened. And it was all in the news. And she spoke about the scandal and the pain that it brought her and her family. And that it's still not over. And that Although this happened years ago, she's still dealing with it. The hurt is real. And so Peter's response is pretty simple. Be good. We ought to be good as believers and do good to flee from sinful desires and live honorably. Now, we spoke about how Jesus was rejected and how the gospel is offensive because we're calling broken sinners to repentance and to trust in Jesus. And and yes, it's offensive. The gospel is offensive, but we shouldn't be, not in our behavior. The reformers centuries ago, they they spoke of God requiring our faith and neighbors needing to see our good works. And it's through these good works that they actually get a glimpse of the goodness of God. And that's no truer than it is today. I've been discouraged by the way that I've seen Christians interact with one another. If you follow anybody on Twitter, you you know what I'm talking about. But on these social platforms, we see Christians with huge followings picking fights with others to point across uh, different stupid things like doctrine and social justice and these issues. 
instead of displaying the kindness of Jesus. And it's so discouraging because the world sees this and we're operating no different than they are. We're called to live out Jesus, to embody Jesus in his character. And this only comes out of a relationship with him. It's when we are connected to him that we actually start to behave like him. And this is one of those practices um, in terms of sharing our faith that it becomes increasingly difficult if we're not doing the other things, right? So if we're not in our word, if we're not praying, then this actually becomes the most difficult thing. This is actually one of those practices that we never get to if we haven't done those other things. So if we're not regularly engaged with Scripture, if we're not praying, this is all too difficult for us. But because we have rested in the good news of Jesus That ought to change us. The good news of Jesus ought to make us the most hopeful people in all the world. We have the best news that anybody could share. Death has been defeated. Your sin has been paid for. There's no better news than that. We embody this faith in order that we are able to share this faith. And it's this hope that sets us apart. So we have to be good. We have to be good and we have to do good. But we also have to be intentional. In the next chapter, in 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 15, he says, But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. James Chung, he uh, works with this college ministry university, and he said one time, He said, you can be intentional without being loving, but you can't be loving without being intentional. To love is to be intentional. I remember the day I asked my wife to marry me. I didn't tell you I was going to share this story. (laughs) But every hour of the day, I actually showed her, like, my plans. There were preparations that were being made. There were plans every hour by the hour. I had to have this thing down right before I popped the question. And uh, it was interesting because in that day, so many things just worked out to a T, but they had to because I'm OCD. But <laughs> in many ways, I, I had to be intentional in order to, to make this happen. If you think about it, God was intentional with us and displaying his love for us. Think about the moment you knew that Jesus was real. It was something deeply personal to you, something that only really you can articulate. And Jesus met you there. He was intentional with you. If we intend to love the people we share Jesus with, it takes being intentional. This means we ought, we ought to pray for opportunities, either at work, in your neighborhood, or even in your home, And we ought to think about how to answer and then ask God to give you the words in those moments. I remember uh, a Tuesday morning a few years ago, and I was sitting in a lecture hall on the campus with Linda. If you know Linda, she was a part of our church before she moved to Orlando to go to college. And and we were meeting with one of the trustees of the college, right? Uh, So big time baller. And... uh, he was wanting to see how or, or what we could do about the underserved populations 
in our college, more specifically the, the homeless community. And we had done some homeless ministry for some years, and so we said maybe we can offer some help. And so we sat there, and, and he listened to our presentation. He was greatly impressed, and he set up another meeting that we would, see, we would, we would pr- uh, present again before the board of directors of the, the college. And as we're wrapping up, he looks over to us, and he asked us, I'm interested to know, why are you doing this? doesn't benefit you at all. Why? Why are you doing this? In that moment, he was asking for a reason, for the hope that was in us. And I looked over to Linda, so he looked at me, and I'm looking at Linda, and, and Linda just begins to share what Jesus has done in her life. They weren't polished words, but they were honest words that stemmed from a relationship that she had with Jesus. And there were a few moments that I was ever more grateful to, to do what I get to do on campus. And Peter says, yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a, keeping a clear conscience. Again, Peter is telling us to be good, to be gentle and kind, not arrogant or self-righteous like we have it all together, but coming from a place of knowing what it's like to be in darkness. As we sang this morning, for all the poor and powerless, but, but we're all poor and we're all powerless. We're all in need of Jesus. The hope is that those who speak evil against us will perhaps reconsider this Jesus that we just shared with them, that, might, that we might turn, uh, that they might turn to God in faith. And, and that's the, the whole point of our sharing, right? Is thinking that perhaps in the wildest of imaginations, they might actually be a Christian. As we share, I think you'll be surprised how many people actually want to talk about faith. I remember earlier this summer, I was at the park playing basketball, and God just brought me into this conversation over religion where I ended up sharing Jesus. And I didn't come to the park thinking, I'm going to share my faith today. I came to hoop. I came for ankles. And yet, God just opened up a door for me to share. And yet, for so many people, nobody has ever approached them because religion is just not one of those things that we talk about. But I'm sure they've thought about it. I'm sure we've all thought about it. They're wrestling with those deeper questions to their life, and Jesus is wanting to meet them to grab hold of their hearts, and he's going to use you to reach them just by you sharing your faith. They don't have to be polished words, just the overflow of a relationship with Jesus. This practice, if we actually get into this and make this a common practice, this could have us leaning into God in ways that we never have in our entire spiritual lives. What if in some way this became a practice for us that every month as we have our Saturday walk through the neighborhood that that droves of people come and we have to do this more Saturdays? What if on our prayer line we have a flood of requests of people that are praying 
for the salvation for their coworker or their aunt or their neighbor. The time is never more urgent than right now. Penn Gillette, he's a famous magician. He is one half of the duo Penn and Teller, and they used to have a show on cable. And one night uh, during the show, somebody from the audience shared his faith with Penn um, after the show. And if you didn't know, Penn Gillette is a renowned atheist. And he posted the video the next morning kind of reflecting on that interaction, and he said something I'll never forget. He said this, he said, I don't respect people who don't proselytize, who, who don't share their faith. I don't respect that at all. If you believe there's a heaven and hell and that people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate someone to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? Now, I know here in this room, we're not hating our coworkers or our family members or our friends, or our neighbors. But take this challenge from an atheist. He is saying to us, prove it. If we really believe in a heaven and a hell, if we really believe that Jesus is all satisfying, that he is the most glorious thing, that this news is the best news that we can have in all the world, then why wouldn't we share it? True, it can get hard at times, it may even cost us something. And as you do, remember Jesus, who went to a people that would reject him, who were living in darkness, like you and I, who would suffer the cross on behalf of people like you and me. And it will make all the sense in the world why we do this, even when it gets difficult, because Jesus did it for us. Jesus called you because he loves you. He wants you to share with others because he loves them. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your gospel. We thank you so much for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Lord by, Lord, by your spirit, would you help us to proclaim this good news? That we would love others, that we would be intentional with them, that we would be kind and gentle. That would, it would just be about you. Jesus, we don't want to be the, the heroes to our own stories. We, we want to make you the hero of our story. Remind us of our own stories, Lord, of where you have brought us from what you have called us into and the hope that we have within us. Oh, we thank you again. Move our hearts to compassion to share with others. And may this be a movement in our church where we're reaching Hollywood and Hollandale with the good news. We ask this in Jesus' name.